Amen. Well, it is so good to see everybody in the house. You guys may be seated. Give a what's up to somebody, but not too emphatically because you got a mask on. We don't need to be spitting through the mask. But man, it's so good to be in church today. So good to be in church today, especially before the Cowboys are playing. Because there's hope in Jesus' name. They played last week at 12, and they didn't get the full dose. They didn't. So today there is hope in Jesus' name. Well, um, thank you guys for jumping on last week and celebrating 23 years of ministry for Live the Life Church, my parents' church, going on and valuing them. Uh, my mom called me the next morning and tried to play discreet. You know, like she wanted to give a compliment. She didn't want to give a compliment. She didn't want you to know she was giving a compliment, right? That whole deal. You ever been there before? You like, you you like want to give a compliment, but you're a little like, I don't want to, you know, you're trying to like prideful, you know. So she called me and was like, hey, well, you said your nice message that you said last week about live the life. One of our volunteers reposted it on her social media, invited all of her friends that live in downtown to come to Pearl Street Church. So if you have people coming, it's because of our volunteer. Oh, and by the way, you had a few people from your church say some really nice things. Thank you so much, right? She was like doing the discreet thing. So if you're here because of that post, thank you, Live the Life volunteer. That posted us up. Amen. Awesome. So good to have you guys. That's awesome. But uh, I didn't film it or video it, but she did say thank you. So thank you guys for doing that. They are good for another six years of ministry because of your, your encouragement. They are good to go. Now, we, uh, we've had a conversation um, the past couple weeks where God was leading me into a clear Christian worldview. Um, and, and really diving into that, say, okay, what is a clear Christian worldview? Because we do live in a culture that is the first, really, this generation is the first post-Christian generation to grow up, right? By and large, the systems that are at play are secular in philosophy, and, and a lot of young people don't even understand to the level of compromise they have in their worldview um, until you start talking about biblical issues and they think they're political issues, right? And so, uh, you know, God had me in a place It's like, here, here's a clear Christian worldview and let's talk these things out. And so we've done that over a period of time and it was a good conversation. But, you know, God, uh, you know, God's leading me right now to, for us to go into more of an apologetic conversation. Let's, got into, let's get into some apologetics. Let's have a conversation. Now, I'm not going to start off by going down the journey in like, okay, apologetics. Here's questions that are out there. Let's defend the faith. <sighs> right? There's, there's some people in here that are waiting for that opportunity, right? You're just like, I got the sword and I'm waiting to cut somebody, right? You're like Peter in the garden. You're like, just say something. Just say something. And I'm going to start swinging, right? In Jesus' name, right? The word says, and you know, you're like, ah, you know. Um, now, apologetics is a word that comes from uh, a Greek word, apologia, and, and really it's uh, giving evidence for your faith or reasoning for your faith. That's what it comes down to. Now, there's, a, there's, there's people that are a part of the faith. I won't call them religious, but there are people that start diving into this world and like, I'm a defender of the faith, right? I'm mounted up, suited up, let's go, right? And that's not the, ne- that's not the heart of God. 
behind the apologetic conversation. The heart of God is that we can give reasonable evidence. If we truly believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if we really believe that God is the creator of the universe that spoke through man for his word and his plan for humanity, then we know when questions are asked, there's good reason that'll lead people towards Jesus. Like there was an individual in our first service that he grew up in the church. He got out of church and uh, there's young people that will do this. Like I'm going on the journey to discover for myself. And so he went on the journey, went into Eastern Eastern religions and mysticism and all this stuff. He even got to the point where he's taking some psychedelics to open up portals. There's people that do that. If you don't know, they go down that journey. Okay. And they, it's a thing. Um, He even went down there, but he said on his journey, it all led him back towards Jesus. It's just everything he discovered all led him back towards Jesus. And the cool thing is, is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's going to reveal himself to all men. As we talked about uh, like two years ago, individuals would ask the question. The question is out there. Well, what about people that are in remote locations inside of the world that don't have access to the message of Jesus Christ? What about those individuals? Are they going to go to hell? What do we say then? God is good all by himself. He'll make himself known to the creation. There, he'll show up in the middle of a dream. It's, it's, I mean, there's so many different accounts by missionaries. Well, they'll show up in indigenous communities that have no outside people in the world. They'll show up to minister about Jesus and tell Jesus. They start talking about Jesus and like, oh yeah, we know that Jesus. He, shows up in our, he showed up in our dreams. He's like presented himself in our dreams and, and told us about himself. We're like, he's like, they're like, yeah, okay, cool. God is good all by himself. But it's very funny that there's questions out there in this world that individuals will start to ask and the enemy will use it to undermine faith, right? Because they're trying to figure out all these complicated things rather than coming back towards their faith. So as, as a people, um, we're going to jump in and we'll, ha- we'll have those tough conversations. But today I wanted to start, it all, start off with you and I. We got to start from a place on where we are at, right? If Christ is the cornerstone of our faith, we are building our life from there, right? He has changed our life. We believe he's Savior, Messiah. He's transitioned our life. And from there, we are building our life on him, in him and on him, right? His characteristics, his qualities. We are taking him in to live a life that changes the world. So we're starting right there, okay? So if you're going to take notes, write this across the top. You're ready. Be ready. Stay ready. Be ready. Stay ready. Now, as we said a couple weeks ago, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. It's a good statement. <laughs> if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Be ready and stay ready. Have you ever been in a place where you're quick to give uh, an account on something, defend somebody or defend something um, that you appreciate, you love? Somebody talks about it, you're very quick to give. No, you don't know about it, Right? Right? Now, I'll just say this just because they are in this service, and I did not say his last service, but my uh, cousins are here from Denver. Uh, Cousin Matt and Wendy. Wendy uh, Wendy is a teacher in the Montessori school system, okay? She believes in the Montessori system of teaching. She's behind it 100%. If you even said one thing against it, she may literally grab a sword and chop your arm off, okay? <laughs> but she's like, what? Montessori is the best way to learn, right? And she's going to tell you all about it. And by the end of it, you're going to be like, yeah, it is the best way to learn. Can I go back to Montessori? Because I'm an idiot, right? I, I learned in public school that obviously is doing whatever. So, 
but she's all about that, right? If you are a true Texan, right? You're a true Texan, you are not a sellout. There is only one team you support in this country, this state. And that is the Spurs in San Antonio. But for Texas football, it is, you're darn right, it's the Cowboys. You're not a sellout in your boat, you're rooting for the Texans, right? That's sinners. Those are people who don't know Jesus and clearly have been compromised by the enemy. Amen. Anybody that's a diehard, you are a diehard Cowboys fan. Like diehard. Like if somebody said anything, yeah. You're diehard. Anybody diehard? Anybody diehard on the front row? Anybody diehard? We got a jersey right here, number 55. I don't even know who that is. You're like really diehard because you, you picked a number that nobody knows what it is unless we see the back of your jersey. We're like, Dak, oh, who is it? Xander, oh, yeah, I don't know that. I wouldn't know that. Okay, but he did play at Boise State. Okay, I know a little bit, okay. Give me a name, not a number, right? Okay, who's like, throws down Cowboy? Anybody here? Would you be? Right here, come on, I'm gonna talk to you real quick, real quick. Just real quick. Diehard Cowboys fan right here, okay? A true Texan, true Texan. Okay, so why, why are the Cowboys great? They're best in town. Best in town, that's the truth, right? What makes them great? The Texas. Yeah, Texas, see? If you're a Cowboys fan, we got nothing other than they're in our state, right? Thank you so much, that was good, right? We got nothing else. Somebody talks about the Cowboys, we're like, they're great. You should see their greatness, right? Do you see the star on their jersey? That's epic. Right? Every year, we are disappointed, right? Somebody's like, well, when was the, when, you know, why are they great? Like, Remember in 96? They're like, yeah, that's 24 years ago. So? We got three of them, buddy. Right? That's all we got. We have nothing. We've spent the past 24 years defending something that is not defendable. You cannot defend the cow. They're horrible. Okay? Every year there's hope. This year's going to be the year. And there's strong disappointment, right? It's just life. But I'll tell you, diehards, we're quick to defend. They're the greatest there ever was and never will be, right? We wanna, we're quick to that. I mean, if you are a taco person and somebody says enchiladas are great, you're like, no, tacos are amazing, okay? I'm an enchilada guy. Somebody tries to be like, tacos are so much better than enchiladas. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Nothing is better than velvety cheese inside of a corn tortilla that is wrapped and heated up and melting out in Jesus' name. It's great. <laughs> but some people are over like, no, the crunch on the taco and the seasoning inside of the beef. You know, they're going crazy on it. They're quick, right? No, no, no. Everybody's... We live in a world today that's quick to defend, quick to give a case or an answer. You know, and the reality is we live in a world here today that individuals can be very quick to shut people down when questions arise. Man, question about X, Y, and Z. Oh, well, you don't know. And, you, uh, and we, have a very, we have a Christian culture today that the moment that somebody asks a question about faith, we're very quick with that sword to start swinging the Bible. Well, the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and they're like, I don't care what the Bible says because I don't even know Jesus. 
The challenge is today is that in a post-Christian nation, people have not had the upbringing that maybe you have had and I have had. And so we got to be very careful in the culture that we live in here today. We got to be ready and stay ready to give an account for the hope that we have in Jesus. You know, Peter would express this because it's very similar to what was happening in the first generation Christians is the same thing we're living in here today. It was not a Christian nation, a Christian world in which they lived in at that moment in time. Oh, there's Christians, but it was not Christian in philosophy that was ruling the land. And so what did you get? You got a lot of people that were asking questions. You got a lot of people that were adverse to the concept of the Savior and Messiah, whether it was from Jewish individuals or literally from secular individuals that were uh, in the culture at that moment in time. So Peter would step in and give us some encouragement inside of 1 Peter, um, cha- uh, 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 13. It says this, Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? So the encouragement off the front end of it is this. If you're a Christian... Focus on living a good life. Focus on being an upstanding person. Who's going to harm you if you're living a good life? You know the best way to minister is to actually be a Christian and live a good life. The Holy Spirit is leading me. I'm selfless. I'm loving. You know, I'm patient with people. I'm an encourager. I just, I mean, it's hard for me to to quantify when somebody says they're a Christian and then the next statement they're like, well, I'm just going to be like, tell her what's up and I'm just going to have this conversation and, and I can't believe this. And that, they're like so offended all the time, so offended and they're like on the attack. Like, I, I mean, I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, that whole thing. I'm like, wait a minute. Like your life is a testament to who Christ is. They, people should be able to see Jesus at work on the inside of you and be like, man, who is this? What is this, right? And Peter on the front of it, you're living in a world that is chaotic. You're living in a world that's not Christian. Who would want to harm you if you do good? Just live good, do good. Even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. They do good. And even if you are wrongly treated, God is your, God is your defender. He's got you. If you, if you suffer through it, man, God's already got something else worked out. So I've talked about a couple weeks ago. I'm like, if you're a teacher, preach your faith. If you're inside of your work, your workplace, dude, you're a Christian. Let your workers know you're a Christian. If somebody comes to you like, stop sharing your faith. Be like, oh, I can't. Uh, it's what I do. All I can do is tell what I've seen and heard. Just like the apostles. Do you know about the apostles? You don't know about the apostles? Well, they had a cool experience with Jesus. And I've had a really cool experience with Jesus, and you're telling me, just like the Sanhedrin told them, not to share about this faith in Jesus Christ, but I'm just trying to share what I've seen and what I've heard. That's all I can do. Am I supposed to listen to man or am I supposed to listen to God? I'm just listening to God. They're like, uh, okay. I guess don't stop sharing your faith. They're like, thank you. All right, bye. <laughs> but we, I mean, to, to the level of confidence that we have that we're living this thing, we're we're confident in what we believe in. And we know on the other side of harm, God's already got us. Like that level of just like, God's got me. There's nothing I can do wrong. So it says, sorry, don't worry. Uh, so don't worry or be afraid for their, uh, of their threats. Instead, verse number 15, you must worship Christ as, your, uh, as Lord of your life. Now this lordship question right there is a big deal. Everybody inside of you, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Worship Christ, what does that mean? 
our life living in worship, honor towards him and respect as Lord of our lives. What does that mean? What he says goes. We live in a culture that says what you feel goes. This is contrary. Jesus Christ is your savior. He's your Messiah. He is now your Lord. It's no longer I feel this, so I'm going to do that. It's he said this, so I'm going to live that. So it's changing this up. So we got to be ready to stay ready and uh, to, to give an account is what's going to go into here. It says, if, some, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Verse number 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. So somebody asks you about your hope, be ready to explain. Where's your hope come from? But do it in a gentle and respectful way. What we, we've lived in a culture here today where we, we think we can just shove God down people's throats and we start whipping out the sword and chopping off. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not a respectful way and it is not gentle to do that. The beautiful thing is, is that whenever we come back to a place and somebody says, why are you so joyful? What is it in your life that just your perspective, you just don't seem to get frustrated. And it seems like whenever everybody else is getting, uh, you know, uh, emotionally driven, you just have a peace inside of you. And it, I just like being around you when it's going. And you know what? Every day you walk in and you just got the right attitude. How does that happen? Now, unchurched people that don't know Jesus in a post-Christian nation, they're not even going to understand what you're coming from. They may have heard of Jesus, but when you step in and say, D you just don't understand. I used to be X. I used to be this. But man, I came to a place in my life where I came to the end of myself and Jesus has changed my life. And I have hope in a future. Man, I've been saved and redeemed by him. And I just believe that Jesus, he, I mean, he's the savior of the world. And man, because of that, he changed my life. And man, I think it would be, if you want to know him, I got you. I mean, I went into a workplace this, workplace this last week. And uh, this company is like Christ-centered. Like, it's all about Jesus. They do have some, some things that they're working on in behavior, but they're all about Jesus. The whole workplace will stand up. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You know, we're working here in order to accomplish that. They'll do that. I walked into one office. I'm meeting the individuals. Two of these individuals like, oh, you're a pastor? Oh, praise God. We just saved two people this past week. Two people got saved in our workplace. And I was like, oh, okay. Let's go, right? I'm like, that, that is the level in the world in which we live in here today that it's going to take for us to live this thing out, be firm in what we know and the experiences that we've had with Jesus. We're quick to give an account for the hope that we have in Jesus. We're already worshiping him, worshiping Christ as our Lord. It's on the inside of our lives. It's reflected in what we do. It's reflected in how we talk. It's reflected in how we treat people. It's reflected in like our behaviors. I mean, people can see it all over us. We walk in a room, there's something shifting in the atmosphere because Christ is on the inside of us. And the level of that confidence to be like, every day we're walking into this workplace looking for somebody to get saved. Just ready to get somebody saved. Like, you want to know Jesus? I got you. Be quick to give an account. But do we live in a culture here today, and if you're under the age of 35, are you quick to give an account? Probably not. Why? Because we've lived in a culture for so long that has said, Keep that to yourself. That's just a private thing between you and God. Don't share that with anybody else. 
Don't force your religion on anybody else. That's just for you. No, that's the mouth of the enemy trying to undermine the passion that you have towards a Savior that has saved and redeemed your life, and you want to share this hope. Don't allow the voice of the enemy to step in. We're looking for opportunities. As Colossians 3 would say this. Colossians 3 and verse number 5 says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Look for the opportunity to share your faith. Find an opportunity. Let your words be seasoned. Another thing would say, let it be seasoned with salt. Let it be gracious. Let your words be gracious, your conversations and attractive so that you will be, uh, say the right things in response to everyone. Let your conversation, look for those opportunities to share your faith. What's the reality? If you are under the age of 35 here today, what is your reality? If you're going to be crazy, if you speak your faith, let me just tell you, they already think you're crazy because you even have faith. Why not just fully accept it? I mean, they told me for the, the longest time, hey, Brent, you're crazy. You're the crazy one in the family. And for the longest time, I justified it. I'd be like, well, you, you know I'm the second, you know? And I always had to like, I had to like, be out, outward and expressive to get attention around here because everybody's focused on my older brother. So you know what? I didn't create me. God created me. So accept it. I used to justify it, like get it. Now I'm just like, no, I am crazy, okay? I accept I'm crazy. <laughs> Praise God, I'm crazy. But I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm gonna love people and I'm gonna power people. I'm gonna strengthen people. Let's go. But in the same token, right? Just accept that they already think we're crazy and live crazy. Have crazy faith that Jesus can do what his word says he can do. Have crazy faith that he still is the healer. Have crazy faith. Crazy. I'm talking to this level, to this level. You're sitting in the middle of Target. You're in the line. A lady, you're just casually talking because you just love Jesus. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> okay, praise Jesus. <laughs> you going to church tomorrow? No, man, I got to come down to Pearl Street Church, man. <laughs> you doing okay? Oh, man, I'm not. What's wrong? Oh, I just got a bad diagnosis. I, they said I got cancer. Wait, what? Middle of the Target line. Hey, everybody, uh, I don't know if you can hear my voice right now, but if you're a believer right now and you believe in the power of Jesus Christ and his healing hand, would you mind getting with me real quick? We want to pray for this lady. She just got a bad diagnosis of cancer. Let's all just gather around and pray because we believe that Jesus is a healer and we're not afraid of our faith anymore. The world has told us to hide that, but we're not sitting here and hiding. How can we hide a light? I mean, Jesus said you're a lamp. Why would, why would you hide your light? Why would you put something over it? No, we want our light to shine. And whenever you elevate Jesus, he draws people unto himself. So why are we worried that we're gonna do the miracle when he's already done the supernatural raise to life and said, man, if you pray, man, people shall recover in my name, right? Why should we worry about it? To that level of belief and confidence to say, we're looking for opportunities opportunity to share our faith. We're not scared of this. We live in a culture today that is post-Christian by and large, but we are not going to pull back in our faith because what the world says, we're going to step in and be bold in our faith. They already think we're crazy. They already think we're crazy. Might as well just be full crazy, right? <laughs> right? Might as well. We got to be ready to share our faith. Be quick to that. The thing is, is what would you be quick to say today? If somebody says, why do you have this hope? What would you say? Do you know immediately what you would say? 
I'll tell you what I would say. Well, I was, I was sexually abused when I was a young man. It, it, it jacked me up as a young man. I went on a long journey of living in sin and chaos, trying to understand and rectify why. But when I reached out towards Jesus Christ, he changed my life. He rectified me. He changed my life. And because I know he's done it for me, he can do it for you. And I know my, my journey, living in insecurity, God found me, changed my life, and here I am today on a stage doing things that I would never be able to do if I was still caught up in my sin, jacked up, tore up from the floor, up living in insecurity. Me and my wife have walked through a uh, miscarriage, but peace has been entered into our life because we took it all to God and we cast our thoughts and prayers on him, and he gave us peace that passed it all, passed all understanding. That is where I know God can show up in the middle of our lives, and if he can do it for us, he can do it for you. I'm quick to give an account of the goodness of God inside of our lives. There was a time where I almost lost my leg, but through the power of prayer, it was healed in Jesus' name, and I still got a leg. Amen. I am quick to give an account because I want people to know the hope that I have inside of Jesus Christ. What would you say today if somebody asked you? Are you ready to share the hope you have in Jesus Christ? Or are you like, nah, that's just for Sunday. That's just for Sunday. This isn't just for Sunday. This is our life. It is our testimony. This is what Christ has done for us. Your story is not somebody else's story. And it's the beauty of God's love for you that can touch somebody's life. Your story is, you know, it may have been a mess. It's a message now. Do not allow the enemy to step in and quiet your message. It is desperately needed for people that are out there. If you've ever, if you ever met, a, anybody ever met a salesman before? If you ever met a salesman, they're some of the most annoying people in the world. Yeah, we see you salesmen over there. They'll sell you on anything, right? They're just trying to sell a product, just trying to sell a product. It's in their nature to do it. Now I'll tell you, we don't have to sell Jesus at all. Jesus is already good by himself. We just got to tell our experience of the, who, what he's done in our lives. What has he done in our lives, right? So the first part of this is we got to be quick to give an account. You and I got to be quick to give an account. What has Jesus done for us? Somebody steps in, they got questions. Cool, let me just tell you what he has done let me just tell you what he's done in my life. Nobody can argue against that. Nobody can say, well, no, he didn't do that. You'd be like, uh, yeah, he did. Right? What are they going to say? You're a liar. Be like, uh, okay. I'm just telling you my experience. That's it. Call me a liar, whatever you want. I'm just telling you my experience. The second part of this is if we're in faith and we're moving forward, it's not a problem to have doubts. The problem is in the process to come to answers. The problem is not the doubt side of it, okay? So we're quick to give an account as Christians, cool. Now we're Christians, we're living this thing out. We were in a place where we had questions. God, why is this going on inside the world? Why do I feel this way? I'm living in shame. Ah, the pain, the struggle, ah. And oftentimes that pain leads us to the feet of Jesus. Or maybe you're here today, you're like, I've had the worst week, COVID is tore up my life. I've tried everything else and I'm here today because I want to find something different. Is there really hope in Jesus' name? And maybe you're sitting in here because you've had all these questions and all these frustrations and all these hurts and here you are today and you're like, oh, I'm at the feet of Jesus and I just want to know, is there hope? Is there still hope? Maybe, you're, I mean, maybe you came to Jesus that way. You came here and you found a moment, I mean, there's a time when Jesus stepped into your life and you were saved and you were redeemed. 
And here you are, you're running. The beautiful thing about it is like, you don't care. When you first get saved, you don't care about questions and you don't care about what people think. All you know is that something happened on the inside of your life. Jesus changed you. And now you got to go tell everybody. You're just like everybody else inside of the Bible that Jesus touched, healed, redeemed, saved, whatever it was. And they're like, I got to go tell somebody. Jesus is like, don't kill, tell anybody. Don't go tell anybody what I've done for you. Like, uh, thank you, Jesus, for your good advice. I'm not going to listen to that. I got to go tell my friends. <laughs> it happened multiple times over. But they were so excited about that experience that they, they, they met the creator, the, the person that healed them, the, the person that saved them, and they would go tell them. It's not like no different. The joy, and you don't care about questions. You don't care about past hurts or pains. You're just living in the beauty of like a, a, a salvation. You're on fire. And when you're on fire, you don't care who you set on fire around you. And somebody can be like, oh, you're crazy. You're like, thank you, bye, you know. You just don't care. You're just like, ah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You don't care. But here's the problem. You can get down the road in your faith and down the road inside of your faith and you can lose sight of that experience that you had with Jesus. And what happens? The secular world's out here. Question after question after question. You really believe that? How, why didn't God answer your prayers? You prayed for how long? Oh, why did that bad thing happen to a good person? Ah, ah. And we get in this place as Christians where we are following Jesus and the questions start coming. The problem is not questions because even disciples had questions. Even disciples doubted. They had questions on the journey and they even doubted Matthew 28, you look at it. Jesus dies. He's resurrected. The Holy Spirit raises him up. He tells uh, the ladies, hey, go get my disciples. Send them to Galilee. I'll meet them there. He goes over to Galilee. Galilee, he shows up. He presents himself to his disciples, 11 of them, because Judas did his thing. And he had 11 11 of them there. What happens? It says, of the 11 that were there, let me read it specifically, of the 11 that were there, uh, uh, that left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But what does the last part say? But some of them doubted. You're talking about people that have been with Jesus for three years, hanging out with him, seeing the miracles, seeing all of what Jesus could do. And then they see him after the resurrection and some of them still doubted. We can get down the road inside of our faith and there can be doubt. The problem is not in the doubt, the problem is in the process to come to answers. If we live our life, imagine this. Imagine this. Me and my wife, Heather, she's right there, together for 23 years now in Jesus' name. (laughs) 23 years now since eighth grade, known each other since seventh grade, Amen. I'm still on the same fire as day number one. Amen. We're 14 years married now. 14 years, yes. 14 years married now. Are we coming up on 14? We're coming up on, we're, we're coming up on 15. We have been married 14 years. Amen. By the end of the, the next service, we're really going to know where we're at, okay? Now imagine, hypothetically, because this has never happened. 
On our relationship, we're married, we're in covenant relationship. The beauty of what God has done between us, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. We're going to create a beautiful family. Oh, I love you so much. What happens on this journey of our relationship as we get into it, not that this has ever happened, but all of a sudden we begin to focus on our journey individually. She's a doctor. She's going to deliver 90 babies over the next five months. Is that true? The next three months, crazy, right? Okay. So this is an attention to manage over the next three months that I got to like, okay, girl, I'm pursuing you. You're, you're stressed. Church is just coming out of COVID. There's a lot of things shifting in the church world. If you don't know, there's a lot of stuff shifting about this. People that were here before are not here now. What's the future going to hold? Who's going to build? How are we going to do this whole thing? Coming out of COVID. I'm over here building like crazy. My schedule's gone through the roof. Heather's over here building like crazy. What would happen on this journey? We get down the road and we've been here before. We're so focused on our personal responsibilities that we lose sight of each other. It's like, ah, what is the question? The question starts happening. Does she love me? Does she still care for me like she used to? Man, am I even worth it to her anymore? I mean, is there somebody else better? You know what? We're having issues in my relationship. You know what I should do? I got an idea. There was, uh, there was this lady that uh, came up to me in one of the services and was like, hey, pastor, you're looking good today. You know, she was an attractive lady. And, you know, I probably should have a conversation with her. She thinks I look good. She's, she's attractive. Maybe, maybe I should have a conversation with her about the dynamics of our relationship. And I sat down with her. I'm like, hey, you know, we're just, Heather and I, we're just struggling right now. You know, like, I, I don't know if she loves me anymore. I don't know if she, like, cares for me the same. You know, the passion's just not there that we used to have. Do you think that woman, we'll just say she's in pursuit. Like, she likes me. She's trying to, she's trying to like, de- get up in my DMs. Okay, we'll say it like that, right? <laughs> Do you think she's going to reinforce the heart of my wife? No. She'd be like, yeah, she, uh, she's horrible. I can't believe that she would not pursue you. I mean, you are so desirable. <laughs> I'm like, oh, stop. <laughs> right? Is she going to back the heart of my wife? Never. And why would we ever do this inside of our faith relationship with God? That whenever we have doubts, we say, hey, why don't we run from the church and start asking questions of people that do not believe in our God. Why would we ever do that? Why would we go to somebody that's a non-believer and begin to talk about our faith in God? Are they going to back that? No, the father of lies, the devil, is going to start to say, oh, hey, yeah, God doesn't love you. Yeah, he's not answering your prayers. That's all a myth. Oh, that healing that you experienced, oh, that was because the doctor's did their work. Oh yeah, that time, that was just circumstances that came together. That wasn't God answering a prayer. That time whenever that car wrecked, like that car, that thing happened in front of you and by the grace of, you know, it was just, I mean, that's just karma. You've been doing good enough that karma, it just worked out that that didn't happen to you. That's the voice of the enemy undermining the relationship that you have in your creator. It's not a matter of doubt. It's a matter of the process and coming to the answers. I'm going to process with my wife. I got an issue with my wife. I'm going to my wife and be like, yo, we got some issues here. What's going on here? I love you. You love me. 
Let's get to the right place of understanding. We got issues with what God is going on in our relationship. Let's take it to God. Let's get around some godly people that's going to back up God and say, no, the heart of God is that he loves you. He's never failed you. He's never forsaken you. He's always going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is here. He's transformed you. Remember whenever you were this and now you are that. You got to run to your father, not to the world. They're not going to support a relationship with the creator. I mean, you think about what, what happened with Adam and Eve. We talked about it. What happened with Adam and Eve is they were created in perfection. They were in relationship with God. But the voice of the enemy stepped in and undermined that relationship. And when that happened, he's like, who stepped into this? Who stepped in between me and you that told you something different than what I've already said? We got to be careful. Doubts are not the problem. It's how we process to get to the solutions. This journey, we want to be quick to give an account, but on this journey as believers, we will have doubts. Jesus says, trials you will face, but I'm with you. Take heart, I am with you through this journey. We can't get caught in the frustration of life. We can't get caught in the chaos of life. What happens on on the journey of faith is we can find ourselves in a place where we like what Jesus does and we're not in love with who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. Take, for instance, the song Waymaker, okay? You know the song Waymaker, right? It goes like this. You're my Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Every single one of us are like, Waymaker. right? It's an amazing song. I sing it too. I'm doing it too. I'm just doing what I'm doing. But what is this song singing about? It's what he has done for us and what he will do for us. He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. We like that. It's all the things he's doing for us. Like, oh, our relationship with Jesus, he works everything out for us. We're darkness. He lights it up. It's amazing. Right? It's all about what he does for us. The same thing Jesus had with his disciples in John 6 is, you like me for what I do, but you're not willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're not willing to take me completely in, take my character, take my, my, my personality, take it in and live it. You're not willing to go to that level. You want to hang on to your life and receive the benefits of mine. What we should be singing, and don't change it next time because you're going to jack up everything, okay? But what Jesus would want us saying is, you're my savior, you're my healer, my Lord and my leader. What you say I live and what you do I do. Even in the darkness, I'll follow. Even in the doubt, I'll trust you. If you've done it before, you'll do it again because you're my savior, you're my healer, you're my Lord and my leader. What you say I live and what you do I do. <laughs> And what is all that about? It's the work here he's doing in our lives. We're not just in love with what he can do. We, we are stoked about the experience of what we had with Jesus. And with that, we're not over here like, okay, God, we're here, but we have so many doubts. So we're going to forget the experience that we've had with him. We're just going to jump all the way back over here like, there's no God. It's not really. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're going to have doubts, but I am with you. Come to me if you're heavy 
if you're weary, you're heavy laden, there's a lot on your shoulders, you're having doubts, you're frustrated, pray, come to me, lay it on me, then I'll give you peace that passes all understanding. But the world will tell you, if you have doubts, skip the experience that you've had with Jesus and come all the way back to a place of non-belief and darkness and back to a place of fundamental questioning. And in this place, it's chaotic. The same thing that led you to Jesus, why would you skip over the experience and come back here? It's not a problem to doubt. It's the process to get to answers. And some things in life, we're not going to understand on this side of heaven. We accept them by faith. But we can't deny the experience we've had with Jesus. There is no other religion out there that gives access like this personal relationship with the savior of the world. No other religion. Everything says you must do in order to receive. Our faith is who we are is enough and his grace steps in to meet us. It's a free gift from God. It's free. It's not a problem to have doubt, but are we processing with God, are we in this place that we are processing with God, that we don't find ourselves in a world that is chaotic here today, where we're having questions, and there's a lot of questions out there, and we can't just coast anymore. We can't just coast as Christians anymore. It's not like, oh, we're Christians, and it's all going to be okay. The world in which we live in, the lights are off in our country, spiritually, and questions are going to come. Questions are going to just hit you up. You're going to be able to have to be quick to give an account. You're going to have to be bold inside of your faith. And if you find yourself doubting and you're not running to the Father for answers, you're going to find yourself right here, back in darkness, living in chaos with all the same questions on, why, is, why, why am I here? Is life even worth it? I'm not enough. I'm just going to do my own thing. And the wages of sin is chaos in this life. We know where it all leads. So what's your responsibility? Last thing I'll leave you with is, what's my part in this relationship? What's your part in this relationship? What's your part? Your part's pursuit. The Bible says, if you seek, you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. It's your responsibility in a relationship. My responsibility to my wife is to pursue her. Her responsibility is to pursue me. And everybody can say amen. Thank you. You taking notes? Okay. That's our part in the dynamic. It's our personal responsibility to pursue our creator. It's our responsibility to that. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's not your mom's. It's not your grandma's. It's not your grandfather's. It's not your friend's. It's not your co-worker's. It's your responsibility to pursue the creator of the universe. That's how you stay lit. You stay on fire. You stay connected, you stay missional, you stay effective, fruit's coming out of your life. You are pursuing the king. You're connected to the vine and you can produce fruit. The reality is the chances, 20, 75% of people that come to faith, what happens? Jump off the train because just life hits them upside the head. We don't want to be a part of that 75%. We want to be a part of the few, the proud, the 25% legit followers of Christ that are making a difference here on this earth. It's our responsibility to pursue. So we're going to have you stand up for a second. This is the beauty of it. Today you may be in this space and you may be in this place 
And I wanted to end this service in this place where maybe you're here and you've been pursuing in all the wrong directions. You've been going 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction of God. You've been uh, onslaught. I mean, you've had an onslaught of questions the last year of your life, or maybe since COVID, there's been question after question after question. God, how can a global pandemic happen? How could this even be possible? I don't know. I mean, you're the healer. You should be able to just eradicate this. Ah. God, why am I lost my job? And why is my family going through this? Or why am I feeling these things? You know, a lot of stuff has been exposed through COVID. Domestic dispute is through the roof. Divorces are going crazy. It's unbelievable what's going on right now. Alcoholism is on the rise. COVID is exposing people. COVID is exposing relationships that have been sweeping stuff under the rug. And then all of a sudden, you don't have to fill your time with chasing the American dream. You got to sit in your house and exist with who you said you loved. It's not, it's exposing us. And so maybe you've lived in a world of doubt and questions and frustrations and God, why, blah, blah, blah. But you're here in this moment right now and maybe there's just a little ember, a little ember of hope there. There's just a little flicker of light that you're saying, God, I'm gonna give you one last chance and you're here, praise God. I have so much confidence in my God that he'll show up on your behalf in one instance, right? It's not me that's doing anything, it's all him. But if you just open up a crack, God will flood in. But it's all in that pursuit. If, if somebody has lied to my wife about my heart, give me five minutes with her. The voice of the enemy will be obliterated in less than five minutes. Give me a minute. And if the voice of the enemy has undermined the voice of God in your life, the relationship you have with him, just give God one song. Just give him one song. Where you're saying, God, I'm going to pursue you. I want to meet you right now. I got so many questions. I got so many doubts. I got so many frustrations. Here I am walking in the middle of this chaos. And man, I've just been frustrated. I don't know what. God, 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 God. Just give God one song. Because we've seen multiple times throughout scripture. I've seen multiple times through my life. And you've probably even seen it in your own life. When you were at your worst, God showed up in the middle of your mess and met you there. And in that moment, he pulled you out of that muck and that mire. And here you are today. Yeah, you've had some high highs and you may be feeling a low, but that low that you're in here today can lead to another high. But you just got to open your life up. Just give them a minute. You can see the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years in the wrong direction, one second in the right. It was redeemed. Redeemed. So this moment could be a moment that changes everything. Can we pursue just for a moment? If you got all your doubts, all your questions, all your frustration, all your sin, all the things you've done, all the things you've said, cool. Leave it behind. And can you pursue Jesus? And let's pray that God begins to move in this place. God, we just pray that right now, God, in the middle of all our doubts and our questions, that God, you are still on the throne. You're still on the throne. Nothing has changed about the reality of the creator of the universe and the savior Messiah of the world. But maybe the position of our heart has changed. God, we pray right now in this atmosphere. God, I pray for our church that it's just one minute with you in this atmosphere. 
can change the complete chaos that the enemy has brought to a life in this place. And God, the voice of the enemy can be obliterated right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just begin to sing this out as a people. Come on. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in, in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids' experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.